Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, it is time. We're kicking off mm-hmm. the team preview series. It's good to be back. How you doing? It is good to be back. Yeah, team previews, full go here. That's right. And Mike, naturally, as we start previewing the 2021 season, we're going to go team by team through the conference as we always do. And of course, there's really only one place that we could start. Cameron. Am I am I fight fight fight? Let's go! There it is. Miami there Hurricanes. Is. The Cameron Miami J. Hurricanes. Underwood Esquire. He's here. Here I am. Rejoining the program. Cameron, it's good to see you. How you doing, brother? Man, it's good to be back with you guys. I miss you. I love uh, you know, we got a little uh, DM on Twitter, so we check in every now and then. But man, it's good to be back here. Good to talk to you guys. Good to be back on the basketball conference podcast, the longest name podcast in the history of life. Joey. Joey, yes, if Michael. I may, if I may ask the first question, please do. Cameron, let's just fire it off with this. How many points would Alabama need to be giving for you to be confident in picking Miami in the opener? They're giving 19 and a half right now. You need like, you need three, three tutties. Yeah, I need three tutties. Yeah. And, and it's not. And honestly, and this is going to sound egotistical, this is going to sound like Miami bro and everything, but it's <laughs> really clip more that sound, about... That little sound effect there. Yeah, clip that, clip that, clip that. You're going to use that a lot. But it's honestly more about what we have not done in big games than even what Alabama is and can and has done. Can do and has done. You know what I mean? I know that they're a juggernaut. I don't know that they're a monster. I know they got five stars all over the field. I know they got a ton of guys who left to the NFL, but they got the next round of guys behind them ready to step up. You got Evan Neal, who uh, the finalists for him were Miami and Alabama, but he chose Alabama as like six foot seven, 395 offensive lineman. And I don't know if you saw this. He was doing like a jumping Bulgarian split squat thing on like a 36 inch box. So he goes from standing and then he like lunges, jumps and lunges into a split squat on this box that's like it's like this plyometric stuff, and it's super crazy. And like, it's tough to do that at any size. But you're six seven, three seventy five plus, and you're doing that with ease and regularity. Those are the kind of athletes that they have. And so I I say that to say that I know that they're monsters, and I know that they have they're very a good. great team. I know that they have dynamicism all over the field, offense, defense, special teams everywhere. But for me, it's not even about that it's about Miami not having shown up in games like this over the course of time you know what I mean because 
that LSU game, we're getting blown out 33 to three at the end of three quarters. You've seen what's happened against Clemson in the last couple of times. Hell, even a regular, regular ass North Carolina team is still running and scored again from last year's game. You know, it was something like that. So for me, it's really the doubt of Miami being able to bring it, which is why I would need three tutties or more to feel confident taking Miami in the points in that game. Well, and I, I mean, on a certain level, you know, we, we talked about this a little bit before we came on recording, like from a, a roster talent standpoint, the the roster talent in South Beach does not does not like indicate, yeah, this this team is going to get blown out by the likes of Alabama. Like it, it says that they should be able to at least make it kind of a competitive game and, and hang in there a little bit and not just completely get the floor wiped of them. Like there's there's reason to be at least a little bit confident in Miami's shot going into that game. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's talent on this roster. We've said it time and time again that there is talent on the Miami roster. And I know sometimes not every player of blue chip caliber lives up to their full potential, but there's plenty of talent on this roster, especially at the top level. Now, as you get further down the depth chart, that's where it gets separated between Alabama, whose third strings are all five stars, and our third strings are some three-star developmental guys and maybe a couple former walk-ons, and it's not the same quality once you get to the second and third string but first string i think that we can play if we do what we need to do we can play with pretty much anybody yes there's going to be a size disparity against alabama yes there's going to probably be a a performance disparity as well but you know if your top line talent is similar and that's what we have in miami so yeah there are reasons to think that this game can and should be competitive but Again, it's about Miami more than Alabama. It's about Miami taking advantage of the situations that are there. I'm going to reference something that I touched on in our, our pre-recording conversation. 2017, when Miami started 10-0, and then crapped the bed at Pittsburgh and let a freshman, Kenny Pickett, ruin that perfect season. The ACC championship game that year against Clemson. Clemson's up 7-0. Miami dials up a play action, double move post in the middle of the field to Jeff Thomas who spun his, his defender around and was wide open. And the quarterback at the time for Miami was lightly talented and didn't have the kind of arm that you needed and did not connect on that pass. He was not able to take advantage of that situation. But if you hit him in stride, he's free and open by 15 yards. Cue up the band, change the scoreboard. It's 7-7 after that play. And I'm not saying that Miami wins, but that's a very different game than incomplete on second down, sack on third down, punt, score, three and out, punt, score. It's 21 nothing really quickly. And that's how fast not taking advantage of one opportunity for Miami can go awry against a t- very talented top-tier team. Those are the margins for the Hurricanes right now. And so we have to be able to take advantage of those situations when they present themselves, and they will, and they have, and we've not been able to do that in the past. Let me let me ask this. Oh, you want you want jump in? I jump or you can. I mean, go for it. You know what, Joey? You know it. You jump in. (laughs) Okay, you got it. Uh, Yeah, clearly a little (laughs) bit rusty here. We got it. We figured it out. Um, Cam, let me ask you this about going into the year and and just kind of to set the stage here. I've seen a little bit of chatter or suggestion that Manny Diaz could possibly be on the hot seat, could possibly be fired after this season, depending on how things go. And it's a little bit odd to me, I guess, just looking at how things went last year, realizing it's only year three, 
um, all this. But then again, I see the returning production here, which at latest count by Bill C, they're returning 91% of their production from last year. That's tops in the ACC, number four in the Power Five, and number 13 overall in the country. Yeah. Compare that and then look at the schedule. Yes, there's Alabama, but a lot of the rest of it is very workable. Let, let me like, what is the general expectation for the season? And is there is there a point realistically where if if the season goes in a certain direction that Diaz could find himself fired by the end of the year? Yeah, so lots of layers to the onion. So let's start peeling. Number one, ninety one percent returning uh, production for this team. So you're basically talking about not the, even the guys who went to the NFL, <clears throat> NFL draft, like your Jalen Phillips, your Gregory Rousseau, your Quincy Roches of the world. So you're really talking about Brevin Jordan on offense, and then Nikosi Perry, who transferred to FAU, and then Robert Burns, he of 13 carries and 68 yards, who I was telling you before was a mythical creature from this magical recruiting event uh, performance he put on as a high school freshman rising sophomore where he had to that date the highest spark rating score of any player in the history of spark ratings it was an incredible performance that day and his career unfortunately because of injuries it never really curled over it was kind of snake bitten but those are really the guys who, who are gone you know so you have everybody else back you gain uh some really good recruits first of all you gain charleston rambo from oklahoma to try to really settle that wide receiver core. So we're throwing numbers at the problem because we've had drop problems with some of the returning guys. So let's bring in some other guys who can supersede that. So there's plenty of demonstrated excellence on this roster. And that's what you have to lean into. The expectation for this season has to be double-digit wins in the regular season. Has to be. Because if not now, when? You know, and it's the thing that I, I was talking about before uh, we recorded as well. So let me run down this again for those of you who are now listening, uh, not behind, who were not uh, eavesdropping on Mike, Joey, and I uh, before we hit the record button. Unlucky you. Six you. year, and right? I have a sixth year De'Eric King coming back off of ACL, but he's one of the three best returning quarterbacks in America. You have one of the best running back rooms in America. You have depth and talent at wide receiver. Now, again, you're kind of looking for better production, but then again, you brought in Charleston Rambo. You have these uh, young guys and these recruits who will hopefully have improved, and some of the guys who have had some issues with catching the ball at wide receiver, maybe they don't play anymore. But you have blue-chip talent more than you shake a stick at a wide receiver. you got Will Mallory, who, and I've said this for a couple of years, I think he's going to be a better NFL tight end than even Brevin Jordan, who was the best tight end in America in college, just because of his physical stature. Because he's 6'5", 240, as opposed to Brevin Jordan, who's 6'3", on a good day. Um, you have the most returning experience on the offensive line of any team in America. You have six guys who've started like 25 to 30 games or more, uh, whether it's at Miami or elsewhere, because you bring in Joe, Justice Olawasan from UNO. LV, who had played for Garen Justice, the offensive line coach, when he coached at UNLV. So you have all those guys, Jared Williams, uh, who played at Houston and then Miami with Derek King is back. Navon Donaldson is back off of a redshirt year. Zion Nelson could potentially be a first-round draft pick. I miss that, but apparently he's just gotten better after giving up 11 sa or seven sacks by himself in that opener, his first game as a true freshman against Florida, uh, to where he's being considered uh, to that level. You got DJ Scape, you got Corey Gaynor, you got even more guys along the offensive line with talent and experience. 
So your offense should be great. And you have Rhett Lashley with a second year in his system already to put up 34 points a game this or last year. So you should be looking at 38 to 40 points per game this year with all the talent that I've already said. So that's one. You go to defense, Manny Diaz is back calling the defense, which he needed to because the defense, when he called it, when he first came here, his defensive coordinator was great. But then when he took over as head coach and he passed the sticks to Blake Baker, not so much. So fine, I'm going to go back over there as head coach. I'm going to go call the defense that I built when I came here in 2015, uh, 16, and take that back over. So that's great. You got great coaching on both sides of the ball. You have depth and talent on the defensive line. Might be some new and different names because you just lost two first-round draft picks and another draft deal along the defensive line. But there's plenty of talent there. You got athletic options at linebacker, but you're looking for a little bit of improved performance. That's probably the weakest unit on the team. You bring in Tyreek Stevenson from Georgia, who should have picked Miami out of high school anyway, to solidify your uh, cornerback situation. You have some other recruits there and other guys developing at cornerback. And then you have the best safety room in America to boot. Then on top of that, you get Borgales' younger brother at kicker as a true freshman. So you got the Borgales kicking dynasty continuing. And you have the best punter in America, who was the runner-up for the Ray Guy Award last year, who's a six foot five, 240-pound Australian who owned a tattoo shop in Bali, and he's tatted everywhere from the you know neck to the toes, basically. Like, and then you just have a Miami-level roster where you have talent and athleticism anywhere. So you should be dynamic in kick coverage and kick return of all four phases. There's so much talent on this team. And if you can't take advantage of that now, then when are you going to? You know, because if the offense goes the way that it should, Rhett Lashley's probably gone. Derek King's not coming back for a seventh year. You know what I mean? Jared Williams, Justice Olawasson, Navon Donaldson, after he's reshaped his body, he's looking for an NFL paycheck. You got other guys who are looking to go. You know what I mean? Cam Harris as a third-year running back, probably going to go because – we got some monsters behind him. And if he stays for a fourth year, I first of all, I don't I like Cam. He I mean Cam, I'm Cam, he's Cam, like the the, the Cam synergies there. But all due respect, there's other running backs that I, I think should start. So and, and th- that's this year, let alone if we were to come back next year. You know what I mean? J- uh, Will Mallory, he's not coming back again next year. So you have again this top line talent that I've already talked about of being very high caliber. On offense, you might lose nine, ten of your 11 starters. You know what I mean? On top of a couple guys on defense, on top of, again, if the season goes the way that it could, your offensive coordinator, quarterback coach, gone. Maybe another coach or two, gone. This is the time that you need to strike while the iron's hot. So that's why for me, getting to the last part of your question, the expectation has to be double-digit wins in the regular season. Period. That means at least 10 and one in the other 11 non-Alabama games, because let's be honest, it's going to take the game of a lifetime for Miami to win that one. And if we do an opener, look, I will love it. And I'm going to be rooting for it. I'm going to be cheering for it. I will be doing all those things, but objectively, I don't think it's going to happen as I sit here right now in the middle of July. If we do have that kind of performance where we beat Alabama, look, amazing, incredible, great, good, glorious, and wonderful. I will take it. But operating in a real world, what I think is going to be a realistic situation, it's a loss to Alabama and then 10-1 and one in the other 11. That means no random stupid losses to Michigan State, who I've seen play over their heads and beat better teams than them. I'm coming up on a round number birthday this year. So uh, 
I'm a month away from 40. I just said it on a microphone. Lord Jesus, it's real. But I grew up in Michigan. And even as a Michigan fan, I would see, you know, Michigan State would be on Channel 7 or Channel 10 or whatever, and they'd be around. And I would see them beat Michigan and beat an Ohio State and beat a, you know, when Drew Brees is there, Purdue and a Minnesota and a Wisconsin, Penn State, teams that they should not have beaten. Over the course of time, I've seen Michigan State come up, jump up and beat them. That's what gives me personally more pause than other Canes fans about that game. But to have the season that we're looking for, we need to not drop that game. Appalachian State, miss me with that. But go out, handle the business, and, and, and things like that. But you cannot drop a Michigan State game. You cannot drop a North Carolina State, a Florida State, a Duke. You cannot drop any of those games. You have to really be vibrating on a different level. It has to be the pursuit of perfection and nothing less. And we have to have that kind of performance. And for me, I know that I've said things like this time after time, year after year, but it really has to be that. And to the last part of your question, is there a scenario in which Manny Diaz's seat is hot? Yeah, you lose a couple of those games. You lose to Michigan State. You lose a non-North Carolina ACC game or three. Yeah, there's a very clear path to that not being good enough. And for me, the clear number is eight and four. Eight and four is not good enough. And I know you have to have a conversation about what are the four and how did they happen. But in a two-game season, which is Alabama and North Carolina, in a two-game season, because you need to handle the rest of this business, right? And North Carolina, realistically, should be business that you handle. I know it's tough on the road there, and I know Mac is doing things. They got Sam Howell. But that's a game. That's a winnable game. But in a two-game season, you find your way to lose four times? That's going to be a tough one. That, that's going to be tough to explain. I agree. Miami's winnable. I, or, I'm sorry. North Carolina game is winnable. Woo! Yeah. Breaking into it. Uh, North Carolina game is winnable for sure because I, uh, they're they got a lot they need to replace on offense. I mean, defense should be pretty good, but I'm not as sold on North Carolina as a lot of people are. I think they'll be good eventually, but I think you know, in Miami's case, they got an off week before they take on North Carolina, and I think that will really help. Um, and I'm going on the road to North Carolina isn't really all that Im- imposing, you know. Um, should well, I mean, it, it has been for us recently. Well. You know, if you think yeah. about if you think about the decline of Miami football in the early 2000s, it what even though as egregious as it was, it was not the Fiesta Bowl. It was the season after on a Thursday night that Connor Barth hit a walk off field goal to beat Miami. That was the real line of demarcation where things are different and not in a good way for Miami. That was the real game. Okay. Because for as bad as the Fiesta Bowl was, and for as egregious a wrong call that was that robbed us of a national championship, when the game day set was already out there, my friend who was in the band already, uh, they were, they were suited up and they were marching on the field. The players already had the, the newspapers and everything passed along the sideline and all that. And then this one random dude who went to Ohio state. So I was allowed to rep that game anyway, but I digress. He threw this flag hella late on a play that was not a penalty. 
as bad as that was, that was still Miami Hurricanes championship caliber football, even though it was not perfect. It was not the 2000 team that won the fight on Bourbon Street and then blew Florida, uh, Florida out in the, in the Sugar Bowl. That was not the 2001 team that was the best team ever, but that was still championship caliber football. When you lost that game my senior year in 2003 at North Carolina on that Thursday night, that was where things really changed. So I say that to say this has been an ongoing thing. If you remember back in, I forget the year, it was after, it was like 2012-ish, the Zero Dark Thursday that they had with Eric Ebron when he had 537 yards of receiving. Uh, and then we blocked a field goal before the half and then ended up winning that at the end because Duke Johnson got knocked out with a concussion and Dallas Crawford was there. Uh, and he took over at running back what he did in high school. And he was like, cool, I'm going to do this one thing. I'm going to come through. And he had that one right-left shake. He didn't have any other moves, but that one right-left shake, got one guy to miss and he got five extra yards. That game, the 2017 game, uh, in that season that was smoke and mirrors we talked about, Miami was down at the half, had to dial up a double move for Jeff Thomas on the first play coming out of halftime, and thank God Malik Rozier hit that pass and then finally got going. But those are three times over the last 15 years that's been trips up there have been pretty bad. And that's not talking about the Marquise Williams year where they blew us out and then stunted and you down and all that kind of stuff. So – it's a winnable situation, but it's been a very, very, very tough proposition for Miami going to Chapel Hill. So, again, just like I've watched Michigan State more than the average ACC fan just because of where I grew up, me with Miami going to Chapel Hill is a little bit more of a front-of-the-brain situation. Like, hey, this is a, a Tier 1 level engagement uh, just because I've seen it, again, go awry a little bit more than others. I think you'll be fine, but maybe I'm wrong. This is a team that loses to Duke a lot, though. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's great. One and and we didn't even get to play Duke last year. Oh, I was mad about that. I wanted to do to Duke what we did to Florida State last year. I was so mad they got taken off the schedule. Oh my goodness. Let me uh, let me sneak my Rhett Lashley question in. Um, Rhett Lashley, I thought and Joey thought would be gone. Right. We thought he would be leaving Miami, maybe moving on to another job. How surprised were you that he stayed? I'm not surprised that he stayed after one. Yeah? No, I'll be surprised if he stays after two years here, honestly. Um, and especially when when Derek King got injured in the bowl game, I think that really solidified Rhett Lashley coming back. Because he's like, hey, man, I got my guy again. Because he's not going to go to the league and everything. Derek King is generously listed at 5'10" generously listed at 510. Great as he is in college, he's not playing anybody's quarterback in the NFL. He's Antoine Randall. You know what I mean? He a good college quarterback, shifty, and the go and play a slash position, maybe running back because he's thickly built. You know what I mean? But he's not playing anybody's quarterback in the NFL. But he's a super high-level operator at this level. And so when he got injured in that ball game, first of all, I was sad because I saw that second ball I was a little uh I was a little excited because my guy Nicole Perry got to come in and then I was very excited because when I saw King go down and it looked like a knee immediately I said okay Lashley's gonna come back because you don't have any there's no install now it, there's no there's no foundation building okay it's all higher level operating with that guy because you've worked with him, you've been, you've designed plays for him, you've been in the offense with him. He knows what you're thinking. You know what he's thinking. You know what he can do, and he knows what you want to do. So that synergy between coach and quarterback is already there. 
So no, it did not surprise me at all that he came back, Rhett Lashley, that is, after one year uh, with that all uh, being the case. It will surprise me if he comes back after two years for a third year. Um, and if he does come back, I think that that would hint that we're going to start Jake Garcia in 2022 um, over Tyler Van Dyke, who are both talented, but spoiler alert, Jake Garcia looks different. He's the highest rated quarterback that Miami signed since Kyle Wright. Hmm. And in the spring game with De'Aaron King out, he looked like him. <laughs> that kid can spit it. That kid. So, yeah, if I see Lashley coming back again, then I'm going to say, okay, well, that's the guy that I wanted. And Tyler Van Dyke is big and strong and 6'5". And in his uh, high school highlight film, the first throw, he literally flicks a wrist and the ball goes 68 yards. I know it's 68 because I counted. But, <laughs> I mean, and that's great. And he can be a great high-level backup, but number 13, Garcia. Let's go. Snap one. So that, that's a lot of projection, but that, that would be my read on it. <laughs> that's that's fair. That's fair. Real quick, I mean, do we have an update on the health of De'Eric King? Are we expecting him to be a full go by that Alabama game? 100%. Um, all the reports and all the videos, all the talk has been that he's uh, been a of schedule in his rehab uh seen video of him lifting running working out uh doing full quarterback workouts so mocking through the rpo series while uh moving in and out of the pocket and everything uh doing everything on the knee that he needs to do uh and again we've uh everything that has been said um from anybody when asked by any outlet at all uh, associated with uh, the Miami Hurricanes is that uh, D.R. King will be 100% full go for fall camp and for the opener. Uh, so that's my 100% expectation at this point, unless something outside of his rehab were to go wrong, you know, if he were to get into a car accident or something like that. But based upon his rehab from his, his knee, yeah, all signs are pointing that he's going to be 100% full go for fall camp in Alabama. Now, let me ask you this, too, regarding his health is – if it's you, if if Manny Diaz steps down tomorrow and they name Cam Underwood the new head coach of Miami, let's go. And yeah, that's right. It's going to help. Um, and you go into that game, and let's say it had halftime, you're down 17 points. Is there a consideration in your mind of pulling King out for the second half of the game? Just cut your losses, save him for the rest of the season, realizing how critically important it seems like he is to the success of the offense and therefore the success of the team as a whole. Let me ask you two follow-up questions to that. What's the actual score and who gets the ball coming out of halftime? Uh, what did I say? 17 points. Let's go 27 to 10. And since it makes a difference, I guess it, it, it tells me kind of what you're going to say. So if Miami gets the ball coming out of halftime, you probably throw them out there for another drive. I think either at 27 to 10, because and this is a thing that I, I think about in basketball, like you know, when you get a big lead early in the first quarter, you're up by 17 points. Like the the lead matters, but also the actual score matters. You know what I mean? So like if you're 43 to 26, yeah, that's a 17 point lead, but like you're gonna score how many points in a basketball game? Like how like that 17 isn't the same 17 at 117 100. You know what I mean? It's a different thing. Um, the math works. Just trust me on that, guys. Just trust me. Trust me. Trust me. <laughs> Anyways. At 27 to 10, I'm going to leave him out there for another series, whether we get the ball or not. Um, 
if we don't get the ball, then I'm going to lean on the defense and say, hey, I need that ball back. I need that ball at 17 points to give it to number one to try to do something. If we get it coming out anyway, and so it's going to be our ball, yeah, but I'm going to give them one more series to see what we can do. And at that point, from there, I'm probably going to go operation shutdown so it doesn't get too ugly. <laughs> Honestly, because if we get if we score there, cool, we can you know keep fighting and everything. But you know, say it's 27-10, we get a stop, we get the ball back, we get a first down or two, but then a drop or an interception downfield or in the you know stalling at midfield for a punt or something. Yeah, I'm probably going to go a little conservative to make it look to try to make it look decent. You don't want to turn into a cover your eyes game, and it can quickly, you know. And <laughs> can, yeah, but the, but the, you know, and unfortunately, you don't have experience with this because this is what happened with Miami against Florida State during Florida State's run against us. You know, those seven in a row. At a certain point, it came. Am I trying to win, or am I trying to keep it close for appearances' sake? And seventeen is on that teetering point, especially if you know they get a pick six or they come out and score again, it's 34 to 10. Now you're, you know, three tutties and the two point conversion is starting not to look great. So, you know, you're going to try to go from there. And I know that people are going to be like, Oh, you're soft. You're scared or whatever. This is me as a pragmatist, man. You know, I'm looking for the best way forward for the program. And I mean, yeah, like, is it, is it fun on NCAA or Madden to just go full Mike Leach and just run four verts all day and try to do a couple hot routes to get something. Yeah. But in real life, doesn't really work. So I'm going to probably look for the path of least resistance if it gets to that point, personally. That's fair. All right, so here, here's my question. In your opinion, what is the determining factor between a 10 or 11 win Miami team versus a 6 or 7 win Miami team? Mistakes. Just all of the mistakes, whether it be turnovers, whether it be drops, whether it be um, penalties, whether it be the... Miami standard unnecessary personal foul you know you get a tackle for loss on third and four and an offensive lineman wants to lay on you too much and then you swing at him and you know then you get a 15-yard penalty but yo call blue ref you ain't seen that he twisted my sure didn't but what I do see is these 15 yards for North Carolina first down Tar Heels those kind of things are the things really that and inconsistent pass rush from a talented but developing group of defensive ends. Obviously, because again, you're replacing Gregory Russo, who had 15 and a half sacks two years ago, sat out last year and was a first round draft pick. Jalen Phillips, who took over for him, uh, took over the number 15 jersey and then was a you know all American and then first round draft pick. And Quincy Roche, who came over from Temple as the AAC Player of the Year, ended up being third team all conference and ended up being a fourth round draft pick. So those guys are gone. I was going to say, think about that for a second. One team had three defensive end pass rushers drafted in a single draft. That's nuts. And two in the first round. You know what I mean? Now, I know that Phillips and Rousseau did not play in the same year together, but it's that same kind of talent. So, because it, all last year, everybody's talking about, oh, well, what was Gregory Rousseau? Gregory Rousseau, because he was within the college football world, a household enough name, you know? So, you're losing those guys, two first-round draft picks, and a, uh, well, G5, but I would argue the best G5 conference 
defensive player of the year. All those guys being draft picks. And the guys behind them, again, are talented, but a little unproven. So you can see that. And then linebacker play is a real <laughs> growth area <coughs> for Miami. So hopefully they're not uh, terrible. And then the last thing, and I know I've given you five things for my one factor, but whatever, um, is the singular focus on seniority. Because I think that some of the young guys need to play. And I think they need to play major snaps. And I think guys like Avante Williams, who was the number two safety in America for the 2020 recruiting class, who was held out last year um, for undisclosed medical reason, he looks like he needs to start. And not eventually. Like game one, day one at Alabama against Alabama. But if you're going to go conservative, you're going to play Amari Carter. And I know he's going to move down to striker, but he's still somebody you can run at safety. You know what I mean? If you're going to play these guys who are more senior in the program, but not necessarily with the athleticism or potential, I think you're going in the wrong direction. And I've said that for a couple of years at linebacker, especially because the older guys, the, the strength of linebacker are the guys who are more athletic. Your Sam Brooks of the world, your Avery Huffs of the world. You know, even your Tyreek Austin Cave is a younger guy. Uh, Corey Flagg is a younger guy. The athleticism is the thing because for so many years at linebacker, after we got their signatures, it was Shaq Quarterman and Michael Pinkney said it and forget it. And the recruiting and development at linebacker outside of, and Zach McLeod was in that same class and he's around for a six year. He's playing defensive end now. So even of that trio where he said, okay, these are the three forever. Two of those three hit, and one of those is now doing something different because he's not that great at being a linebacker as what I thought. I thought he was going to be the first-round pick of those guys. He was 6'3", 220 coming out of Santa Lucia's high school, same high school that Vince Wolfork went to. I thought he had the best physical profile. That is not transferred over into college, right? So, again, if you're playing the more senior guys, then you're discounting what the actual advantage of that position is, and that's deleterious to the performance of the defense, in my estimation. So that, and then also a wide receiver, because put it plainly, Mark Pope and D Wiggins had the highest drop rates of any receivers in the power five with like 18 and 17.6% drop rate each. I don't need to see them getting 85 targets this year. I need to see them getting a combined 85 targets at best between the two of them. I need to see their snap counts come way down. Why? Because we have other younger guys who are more talented with the potential. And again, because at some point you are who, you, who, who you've shown me that you are. Now, maybe could they have a Robert Knowles-like resurgence as seniors? It's possible where Robert Knowles was pretty much the butt of every joke, you know, because he was not good at playing safety. And then his last year, but he was solid. And I had to eat a lot of crow. And I was well, not even eating a lot of crow. I had to give him his credit because where I was very critical – I had to praise the proper performance as a senior. Could that happen with those guys? It could. I don't think it's going to. So I don't even know how many things I gave you, but I think that those are a couple of things that would uh, really be the difference between a uh, 10 or 11 win season versus a seven. And if it's seven, then Manny Diaz is a hundred percent gone. There's no way you can come back from that. That's, that's so interesting to me. I, I just wouldn't I, I wouldn't have thought that they would be looking to make a move and, and move on from Manny Diaz after three years just because he, he only won seven or eight games. But that, that's interesting to me. I, I don't I'm not telling you you're wrong. I just that's that's surprising. Um, I, I do want to talk a bit about the defense cam and, and 
you know, you you talked about it. It's a good thing that Manny Diaz is calling plays now. Uh, moving on from, I believe it was Blake Baker was the defensive coordinator last year. Um, and, and last year you did see a pretty significant, I mean, we'll call it a significant drop off. They weren't terrible, but they went from top 10 defense the year before to about 31st in SP plus last year, which I mean, that's a significant 20 spots of drop off. And now kind of combine that with the loss of those three defensive ends um, there were issues in the secondary, issues with the linebackers. You talked all, t- all a whole bunch last year about tackling issues that, that were had. Let me just, what's your confidence level that Manny Diaz being the play caller and being the defensive coordinator himself this year, combined with what, what's coming in personnel-wise, I mean, do you, do you believe they're going to be back in that top 10-ish range? Is this going to get fixed? I don't know about 10. I think that uh, a 50% move would be the target. So I think that you're looking top 15, 16. If, if we hit that or higher, I think that would be really strong. And again, you're going to balance that hopefully with an offense that's more explosive even than it was last year. Um, but when Manny Diaz was calling the defense, it was noticeable. Like you could watch the games and you would see them kind of, you know, jabbering together on the sideline. And then the next like three possessions, I'm like, oh, that's a Manny Diaz call. Like that's a Manny Diaz. The way that he times his cornerback blitzes is different, you know. Like you could just just like it just it just felt different. Everything just came together. You know what I mean? Um, And Manny Diaz, you know, he he to his credit did say, yeah, you know, I stepped in there a couple of times and I did what I needed to do, which is just like, bro, like do this. Well, I you know. I'm running the same version of the defense. And I think, no, like do exactly this, not kind of this, but like do exactly that. Well, I never mind, bro. Hey, defense, come on, defense on me. Let's go. And then call it. And they would do it. Um, and like the whole team rallies behind Manny. The whole team has this never say die. We won't quit mentality. That's Manny Diaz instilled. I need the defense to have that as well. And there is so much talent on the defense and we have to use it and we have to leverage, you know, situation down in distance and alignment assignment technique, man. You just cannot have blown assignments. You can't have things, you know, again, talking about uh, a recent season, you know, against Florida in the season opener a couple of years ago, that was a winnable game, except for we had, a bracket on somebody with trail technique and somebody over the top, but the defender over the top wasn't over the top. So then you just have a guy running behind somebody else and you're like, Oh, okay, cool. Fourth and 17 at North Carolina, Sam Howell's freshman year, same season, two years ago, right? Uh, 2019, same season. And you had that fourth and 17, playing off cover off coverage with bail coverage outside the wide receiver just goes and stops at 15 it's like oh and sam howell hits him and then you know so that was clearly a blake baker call and i'm like how can you have that now whether that's called or whether that's a player not doing their assignment neither one is acceptable so it's my hope that major errors like that are eliminated And it's terrible because I can call out the major errors like that that we've seen recently. So it's not just like 
a random second and four against, you know, UAB or blah, blah, blah. Like, these are, like, game-changing coverage issues. Like, literally, both of those games were winnable. We, like, Miami had the lead in both of those games and lost. And so those are the things that I'm looking to see come forward while also really finding whatever the the magic uh, the magic words are to unlock the potential of some players at defensive end, linebacker, and cornerback as well. For folks who look at Miami and say, you know what, they are not ready to win the Coastal, or I'm not falling for that trap again, what do you say to that? If not now, when? I've laid it all out for you. There's the most talent of any team in the Coastal by far on campus in Coral Gables. We have, okay, along with Florida State. I'm sorry, not Florida State, excuse me, because he left Florida State to stay home in North Carolina. But along with North Carolina, you have the most talented quarterback in the division. The other one in the conference is going to be DJ Ukulele. Um, it's, I know, it's, oh, it's funny because I was looking at my Twitter, I said that, uh, with somebody, it was Uyangalele uh, from Clemson. And that's really on the strength of the fact that he's 6'5", 240, and throw the ball 95 yards. But those three, King, Howell, and Uyangalele, are the most talented ones. So in, the, in, our, uh, in our division, it's King and Howell. So you're going to have the best quarterback matchup there. But outside of that, Miami has the most talent. Again, offensive line, running back, safety, defensive end, wide receiver, even though not all the talent has played up to the level, but it's still on the roster, tight end, um, kicker, punter, return guys. A very manageable schedule. Your two crossovers from the Atlantic Division, those should be walkovers. It's North Carolina State and Florida State. So you miss Clemson. And I figured that was going to happen because they redid the schedule last year to have us play Clemson, which was an off-cycle year. But in a COVID year and you're trying to drive TV ratings and you have the ability to handpick your matchups before you come out with your conference-only schedule, you say, hey, man, these are going to be two of the best teams around in the conference. I don't care if Miami's a season away from being ready. They need to be ready for that Saturday night now. I get that. But you miss them. There's nobody else really, really good over there on that side of the, of the conference. If you want to say something about Louisville, you miss them, but we just hung a hundred and something points on them the last two years. Um, you know, but the, it's a very manageable schedule. It really, Alabama notwithstanding. I mean, I know it's a tough game, but Michigan State, Central Connecticut, and Appalachian State in the non-conference, you got seven home games out of 12. There's so much that's actually in Miami's favor that, yeah, it's like it's a rubber beat road for me. And I get that, yeah, Miami has been more talented than everybody else in the Coastal. Miami has had X advantage here and Y advantage here and blah, 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 and has failed to live up to that. But I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again. The team that's in Miami's way to win the Coastal is Miami, not anybody else. If we play the way that we need to play, if Miami does what Miami needs to do, it is against our standard and ourselves that we are competing. And it is unfortunate that Miami has found ways to continue to get in our own way recently. But, and I get why somebody like Mike is saying would be a little gun shy about picking Miami to win the Coastal. I would say you need to cowboy up, you need to put on your pants one leg at a time, and you need to do the right thing, the reasonable, the prudent, 
the, the it's just the right thing to pick Miami to win. And if you're right, it should, I mean, you should be right, but it's not, it's not outlandish to think. And if you're going to pick somebody else, number one, you're a North Carolina fan or number two, you don't have the gumption to go with what you know you should. Well, Cam, I've been married for three weeks. I'll put my pants on for this, though. I think Miami <laughs> wins Coastal. <laughs> I do, like too. That. I do, too. I think they win I mean, Coastal. And again, we need to do what we need to do. We need to – Miami needs to uphold our end of the bargain. But yet again, the ACC Coastal is Miami's to lose. Do we find a way to lose it? And over the course of many years, the answer to that has been Yes. My hope this year is that the answer is no. And we go out there and we do what we need to do and we win this darn division. Joey, what do you think? What's a record? Give us a record prediction. Let's just do this thing right now. Oh, I, I, I mean, I just off. texted you with a, a little gift saying, happy Groundhog Day. Um, I, I feel like we've had this same conversation for about five years in the preseason. Um, I, it's, yeah. I, I'm going to say, I'm going to say I think North Carolina wins the division. And it's Cam, you have a hell of an argument here for why Miami should win it. But this is where, and, and Mike has heard me do this a lot with, with his team as well, is this is where I pick against a coaching staff that I don't trust, I don't particularly like. Okay. Um, so, I, I mean, that's that. And then, I mean, North Carolina doesn't have any particular landmines on their schedule either other than Miami. They get the game at home. I, I'll take that, I guess. Um, I, and it just, again, we've, we've just seen Miami lose a game here, a game there that they have no business losing. Right. So, you know, last year was kind of the first year that it seemed like they didn't, but at times it was more like De'Aaron King was willing that team single-handedly to wins. He's back, you know, they'll have him. That's good. But I, I don't know that, prove it to me, prove it to me. You've said that before on here, Cam, prove it to me. Yeah. So give me, um, I, we go nine and three. I think they push at that nine win win total. I do not think they get to too. Charlotte. I I think nine and three might win the division. I'm going nine and three as well. Six and two in conference. I think they beat North Carolina, and that's the difference. But Ten and I, two, seven and one. I'm going with it. All right, we're all in the uh, same range. I mean, I'm 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 all in, and it's not even just the fact that you know I went there and everything. Like I've been very vocal. You'll go back and look up old episodes of this here podcast that I've been on specifically go back and look up uh, 2017 because I was not too complimentary of the Miami Hurricanes nor their quarterback. And that was the year that Miami went 10 and 0 before losing a game in the regular season finale. Like I was not a happy Miami Hurricanes camper despite these wins by smoke and mirrors. But yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't think that we're going to run the table in the ACC, but we're not going to lose more than one. And it might be the North Carolina game, um, but we're definitely not going to lose to either of the ACC, uh, the Atlantic teams and the other coastal teams. I, you know, even if it's a, a gutted out kind of win, Miami's proven the ability to do that against all these other teams. But again, to me, it, this is a two-game season, and let me look up the day because I have the uh, schedule in front of me. 
It's September 4th in Atlanta against Alabama, and it's October 16th in Chapel Hill against North Carolina. The my, uh, game season. My, my sneaky tough game for Miami is October 23rd against NC State. That's my sneaky tough game. You can come off of an, you can come off potentially off a North Carolina win. You get NC State yeah. with Devin Leary if he's healthy. I mean, he might be knocked out by October twenty third. We know how that goes. I know, right? But um, if he's healthy, I mean, NC State was decent last year. Doran was that seems a, to prove Joey wrong. Is that a solid verbal letdown? Look ahead, sandwich. It is. I think it might be. Yeah, because we we go to Pittsburgh the week after. Yeah, which is not necessarily an easy place the for us to play either. So, it's an annoying, annoying place to play. It's an, annoying, it's yes, an annoying place to play. Very annoying yeah. place to go play. NC State's my sneaky tough game for Miami. If you had to pick like one random ACC loss, I think that's that's my one. I mean, I said, hey, I said six and two in the ACC. Maybe that's my loss. Like outside okay. of North Carolina, I don't know. It's a weird game. I, hey, I, weird I was going to throw Georgia Tech out there as a potential team, but Cam, you can you can rest easy now that they're. Uh, Punting gunslinger Presley Harvin is now in the uh, in the NFL. No longer to torture that Miami special teams unit. <laughs> Don't worry about it. He's gone. The bad man can't hurt you anymore. That wasn't even the special teams unit. <laughs> that was base defense. That was the first team defense. And DJ Ivy, God bless his soul, who looks the part of a transformer. He looks... I mean, he's 6'1 with long arms, and he's chiseled. He's been in that weight room. And, I mean, if you're buying jerseys, I'm buying a number eight defensive back cornerback jersey because he has these pipes. I mean, man. And the thing about it is they're all calling alert, alert. He's pointing to the receiver, to the gunner who's going to release, and continues pointing to him as he goes up the sideline forgetting oh hey wait if we're in base defense that's my man even if we're playing cover two as a cornerback what's your job to carry your guy as far as i mean if there's nobody else if there's nobody in front of you you carry your receiver you did you did not do the appropriate technique for for punt return for cover two, cover three, cover four, or man-to-man. No defensive technique did you – because you just stood there and let the guy uh, – I, I think I literally broke something here when that happened. Because how are they calling it to you? And you're saying, yeah, 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 okay, yeah, okay. And then let him go when we're like, DJ, this is what we were – Yeah. <laughs> And I know that you giggled just like that when it happened. I know you did. Laughed oh! my ass off. Laughed I my bet ass you off. Did. It was hilarious. That was such a dime, too. It was a perfect throw. It was on the like, money. Right at the pylon. It was perfect. Uh, Mike, anything else? I can't believe I just picked Miami to win the Coastal in our first <laughs> preview. Let's get it. I can't believe I did this. Let's Why would it. I do this to myself? And Joey, you know what? I told you at the end of last season, I was like, don't let me pick Miami. And I just did. Mm-hmm. Why do I do this? Why do I do this to myself every year? Oh, just wait until week one when I'm picking Florida State against the spread because I just can't quit them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I can't. I just can't do it. So, I mean, we all have our vices. I I guess so, but that I'm interested to see how they are because 
I, I told you guys last year before the game, I said that was the biggest gap between Miami and Florida State I'd ever seen. And people were like, no, throw out the records. Is I said, no, this is different. Like, I'm telling you. And then we beat them by six touchdowns. I don't know that it's going to be six touchdowns this year, <laughs> but I think it's going to be substantial still. Um, I think that they're at least another season just because the talent drain from their roster has been so remarkable recently that it's going to take some time to build it up. Yeah. I we'll, we'll get into previewing them here within the next few weeks, but I, I, I kind of look at them as a little bit of a wild card team in the conference because you did see improvement from that team from start of the year to the end of the year. So that, you know, the coaching was working, but you're right. There was a, a pretty big talent drain, but they also brought in some transfers that could be pretty highly impactful pretty immediately. So it's just, there's a lot of things here that I feel like could, could work in their favor, could not. And it'd be curious to see kind of which one, which one it ends up being. Mike, anything else for Cam before we get out of here? No, I think I'm good. I can't, I, again, still can't believe I picked Miami to win the Coastal. But <laughs> Welcome to the bandwagon, Mike. Maybe Let's this will go. change. Hey, listen, maybe this will change between now and Labor Day. Who knows? No, man, look, you're going to sub out that maroon for some good green to go along with that orange. You know, I'm going to send you some uh, Miami Hurricanes apparel. Hey, you can support one of our many NIL shops that our players have, like Al Blades Jr. has some great designer T-shirts. Um, Malik Young, who uh, retired after a neck injury, he has some great apparel as well. Jalen Phillips, even there's plenty listen, for you, buddy. Listen, I'm gonna need some good green to root for the Hokies this fall. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, Cam, always a pleasure, always a treat having you on. Please come back soon. You're welcome anytime. Um, tell us, tell the people where they can find your stuff. Yeah, man, always, always fun to, to chop it up with you guys. Uh, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, we are at the State of the U. Our website is stateoftheu.com, where we're always talking about Miami Hurricanes 24 7, 365. We have scheme theme breakdowns. We have, uh, I would steal that uh, scheme theme things. It's just like, hey, somebody else's offense has this. I think that we could integrate that to the Miami Hurricanes. We got position previews, player profiles, game previews, recruiting. Uh, commentary and more so come on over and fan with us we do a great job over there i got a great group of contributors um so you can like same energy you've heard on this podcast and if you like this kind of uh banter and also interspersed with some reality television like top chef or below deck or the challenge which is coming back on august the 11th can't wait uh my personal twitter account is at underwood sports so you guys can find me over there cam absolute pleasure thank you so much man thanks cam Anytime, guys. I'll talk to you soon. Yes, sir. All right, Mike. That's Cam Underwood. That's the Miami preview. Let's work on getting out of here. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. I am at FTRS Joey. He is at Mike McDaniel SOS. And together we're at BC Podcast ACC. And once again, go follow Cam at State of the U on Twitter, at Underwood Sports. Uh, all sorts of Miami coverage and much, much more. Uh, you can send us an email with your questions, comments, concerns to the longest email address known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Thank you. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, on Spotify, all sorts of places, anywhere you can find your podcast. Go find us there. Hit that subscribe button. Share us with your friends. Uh, looking for more and more people to, to kind of here join the fun. So uh, we'd love to have you. Mike, you want to tell me where else they can find us on the social medias? Facebook. Facebook.com slash basketballconference rate review. Find all of our podcasts there, Joey. Please do. Please do. We're also on Instagram at BC Podcast ACC on we the are. gram. 
there's gonna be a lot of content coming that way. I promise some somewhere in between our jobs and marriages and childcare and all the other good things that we do with our lives. Um, we will be creating Instagram content at some point. So please go check us out there. Uh, Mike, anything else before we get out of here? Um, why did I do this? Why, why can't believe I picked Miami to win the coastal. I'm still hung <laughs> up on it. Cam is still on the zoom with us dancing in the background. I can't believe I did this. Myself. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to get on the North Carolina preview and pick Miami to win the coastal. And then just, it's one of these things where the math doesn't line up at the end. That'll be the best. Yeah. We'll both throw up on our shoes. <laughs> and on that note, uh, Mike, this has been fun. Cam, thanks again for joining us. Uh, we will talk to you guys again soon. Uh, Mike, I don't know who we're previewing next. Do you? Pitt, I believe. Pitt? I think. With another friend of the show. Longtime friend of the show coming back to, to help talk about that one. That'll be fun. Yep. All right. Well, for that guy, Mr. Mike McDaniel, and for that guy, Mr. Cam Underwood, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. And until next time, go ACC. Shoot us in, shoot us in.